0: Hi, ladies. My name is Zenovia Bernier, and welcome to Episode 5 of our Walk This Way series in the Book of James. Well, have you been enjoying our study so far? And when I say enjoying, I mean, have you been challenged, convicted, corrected, and commissioned? I know I have. 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17 says that all Scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration— And is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if you've been stung with conviction and spurred on to transformation as you've been studying James, count yourself blessed. The Word is working. Our hearts should always respond to the power of the Word, no matter how many times we've read it. The topics covered in James are as relevant today as they were when he penned his letter. This week, we're in chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, and it's all about the untamable tongue. It's a heavy portion of scripture, isn't it? James had already talked about the seriousness and timeliness of our words in chapter 1. If you attended church back in October, Pastor Jonathan spoke on these verses. And the podcast by Trish Dietz was so rich in instruction. In chapter 1, verse 19, James said, Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. He then went on to say in verse 26, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. But James didn't stop there. He clearly saw the need to expand on the issue of the power of our words and the potential they have to bring judgment on ourselves or to be the bridge to justification for those who are lost. This isn't something to take lightly. This isn't something to merely agree with. It was written to believers. This is something to examine honestly before the Lord. So let's begin. First one of our texts this week begins with a statement and a warning. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Bible teachers have a specific responsibility to handle the Word of God properly. If we've been given the role of teaching, we ought to be careful that we teach with integrity and that our walk matches every word we speak. Hebrews 13.17 commands us to submit to our spiritual leaders, for they are keeping watch over our souls and continually guarding our spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship of us. So Bible teachers, those who are sitting under our instruction should never be misled or misinformed by what we say or do. Their souls are much too important to God, and they should be important to us as well. Now, I know that most of you listening are not Bible teachers per se, but I don't want you to misconstrue the message here and the applicability of this verse in your life. Many of you listening are mothers, and therefore you have a responsibility to teach the Word of God to your children. You are their Bible teacher. Grandmothers, you are as well. Deuteronomy 6, 5-7 And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. And even if you don't have children, there are people that the Lord has placed in your life who are listening to what you say everyone is teaching something to someone. It's been said that we, talking about Christians, are the only Bible that many people will read. Titus 2 verse 3, Teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. In Matthew 12, 36, it says that we will all give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word we speak. In the Amplified Version, it says for every careless or useless word we speak. This was a warning to all of us, not just Bible teachers. Now, if that doesn't make you want to speak less, I don't know what will, or at least speak with more forethought. If you follow Harvest or attend our church, you know that we just had our 32nd Anaheim Crusade. I'm on the event team for the Crusades, and our main responsibility is to make sure it runs as smoothly as possible. We're stationed outside in the lines before the public enters the stadium. We're on the field during the altar call. We work with security and many of the other teams. Oftentimes, if there's any kind of emergency, someone from the event team is there to get the help that's needed. From the moment we arrive at the stadium to the moment we leave, the event team members are hooked up to two-way radios. Everything we do involves communication. Now, I've been on the team for quite a few years now, and something that has always been stressed to us is the importance of our words, particularly once the crusade begins. The event itself only lasts for two hours, so every second counts. There are no redos, and we can't press pause. If there's a problem, it must be communicated over the radio, but only one person can speak at a time. So we're trained to be thoughtful when we speak. We need to consider our words carefully before speaking. Is what I'm about to say clear and specific, or is it wordy and confusing? Is it accurate? Is it necessary that I say it right now? Is it necessary that I say it at all? These are the things we must consider before we speak a word. The crusade night is short. It will quickly come to an end, so we don't have the luxury of wasting our words. The purpose of the Harvest Crusade is to share the gospel and lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So everything my team says must lead to that purpose. If it doesn't directly facilitate the furtherance of the gospel, chances are it isn't worth saying do you see where I'm going with this? Girls, sometimes the best thing we can say is nothing at all. I recently sat next to a gal at church named Yolanda and we started talking. Someone she loved was on his way to church that morning. It had been a while for him. He grew up knowing the truth and he used to believe, but in the past several years, he let the world's views deceive him. He questioned God. Yolanda admitted, that she used to argue about it with him, and it damaged their relationship. So she decided to stop arguing with him. It wasn't working. Instead, she began to show him that God was real by her actions. As she spoke less, she began to see a change in him. He became more open to the truth, so much so that he invited himself to church and to the crusade. Proverbs 17, 27-28 a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought-wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. Our words have power, and they can be life-changing, for good or for bad. Proverbs 18.21 The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. We need to be certain that what we say is clear, accurate, and necessary. In Matthew 28, we are commissioned to share the gospel and lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So everything we say must lead to that purpose. If it doesn't directly facilitate the furtherance of the gospel, chances are it isn't worth saying. This life is short, it will quickly come to an end. We don't have the luxury of wasting our words anymore, girls. If you do an internet search on Bible verses about our speech, you'll see that there are so many verses dedicated to this topic. I couldn't believe how many there were. The Lord takes what we say seriously, and so should we. There are so many people in our lives who are perishing, people we love. And we have this wonderful ability to communicate what people really need to hear. If you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10.9. So if we open our mouths, let it be to share life with those around us. I know at times it can be difficult, especially if our emotions are high. That's why James said in chapter 1 that we're to be slow to speak. Sometimes just slowing down and editing our speech before anyone hears it is enough to save us from embarrassment or regret. Proverbs 13.3 Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. James compares the tongue to a bit in the mouth of a horse or a rudder at the front of a ship, small but mighty, determining the direction one takes, with the power to bring ruin or bring reward. Nowadays, people record what you say. We hear about it all the time when a person of some notoriety says something inappropriate or offensive, and the recording is shared on the news or on social media. Then they make a statement with some seemingly scripted apology to those they may have hurt, trying to repair the damage they did to their career. For believers, we should be prepared and comfortable with anyone secretly recording what we say in public or in private. Titus 2.8, teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Now, since I brought up recordings in social media, let's talk about our speech in texts, emails, and posts. Our little fingers can be just as deadly as our tongues, can't they? In this day and age, a lot of our communication is done through the use of technology. So it bears to reason that the same warnings and instruction given to us in scripture apply to what we type as well. Are you using your keyboard for ruin or reward? Technology is a horrible way to deal with conflict, yet so many people argue over it. You don't know how the other person is interpreting what you've typed. So many things are miscommunicated. Now, have you ever received an offensive email or text from someone? Some of the things that people write are appalling. I'm not sure if they would actually say those things in person, but they write them down and they send them. Now, if upon receiving an email, text, or message on your social media, you are quick to whip out your keyboard and start ferociously typing, that probably means it's the worst thing you can do. That's what the world does. We can't do what the world does. We need to be different. Ladies, it is better to use self-control before you speak than to do damage control afterwards. Once you say, type, or post it, it's out there and it has an effect on the kingdom. So wait calm down, think twice, pray, consult the word of God. Then ask yourself, will what I'm about to say or write strengthen my witness, or will it stain it? Proverbs 15:28. the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Verse 8 of our text says, no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. I have read these verses before, but for whatever reason, I was taken aback by verse 9. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Ladies, every human being who's ever been born was made in the image of God. Many may not be walking in the will of God, but they were made in his image. When we speak evil about them, we're speaking evil about God's creation. Our politicians are made in the image of God actors, musicians, athletes, the most immoral people we know or know of are made in the image of God. What are we saying about them? Now, we shouldn't agree with what we know to be sinful, and those who promote sin do not deserve our endorsement. But rather than speak evil about them, if we need to say anything at all, let it be prayer. They don't need more evil talk from those of us who profess Jesus. They need our prayers, whether they know it or not. Titus 3.2 says, we are to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And Ephesians 4.29 says, we're not to use foul or abusive language at all but to let everything we say be good and helpful so that our words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I'm a high school teacher and I am disheartened daily by the words I hear kids use in the halls without any regard for even teachers walking by. They don't even have to be angry, it's just how many of them speak. And many of them have admitted that it's how their parents speak. In my class, my students are keenly aware of my intolerance for profanity I make it very clear to them that that's not how I speak when I'm at work, when I'm at home, when I'm upset, or even on the 91 freeway. So I surely don't want to be exposed to it in my classroom. When I make a mistake writing on the board or forget to do something, I say things like, oopsie poopsie. At first I'll hear kids chuckle. As time goes by, I hear some mocking me. And before you know it, I'll get a 16-year-old football player confessing that he started saying oopsie poopsie when he wasn't even in my class. The use of profanity is a learned behavior, so unlearn it if you've made it a habit. It may take some time and prayer to be completely victorious, but it can be done. Our words matter to God. Now, for many of you, that's not your struggle, so let's consider the words we do use. Is lying a struggle for you? Proverbs 12.22 says, Lying lips are extremely disgusting to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are His delight. We are to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So that means we mustn't gossip either. Gossip can start out subtly, especially among Christians. It may begin as a prayer request by someone giving more information than is needed, and it can quickly spread from there. Scripture says a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Not only are we not to gossip, but Proverbs twenty nineteen tells us that we're not even supposed to hang around with anyone who does. If your friends like to spend their time gossiping, then you need to decide if spending time with them is worth what it's costing you. We are to avoid all irreverent babble and godless chatter with its profane empty words for it will lead to further ungodliness. 2 Timothy 2:16. Slander, complaining, insults, nagging. The Bible warns about all of it. This life will soon come to an end, remember, we need to think about our witness, and not just at church. We need to think about it on Sundays before we get to church. When the kids or your husband test your patience seemingly more than at any other time, or when your extended family, your friends, your neighbors, or co workers know exactly what buttons to press to tempt you to say something wasteful. Listen, if the Lord brings up the subject of our words over and over in the Old Testament and the New, it begs to reason that we all fall short in this area regularly. But we are not defeated, ladies our God is so gracious. He never tells us what not to do without also telling us what to do instead. Colossians 4, 6 says to let our conversation be gracious and attractive so that we will have the right response for everyone. The only way to guarantee our words are gracious and attractive is to speak the word of God. We need to learn his word, girls. We need to memorize it, and we need to stop wasting our words with excuses for why we don't. It can be done if we take the time to repeat his commands again and again, talking about them when we're at home and when we're on the road, when we're going to bed and when we're getting up. Colossians 3.16, Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being. We want to be women of virtue, don't we? Who the Bible describes as those who open their mouths with wisdom and on their tongues is the law of kindness. As the psalmist prayed, so should we. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Ladies, our words tell others whom we belong to. Let's make sure that what we say proves that we belong to the Lord. Amen. God bless you, girls.